לשידור ישיר ממחנה רמה בברקשיירס. Highland Park, New Jersey, the Highland Park Conservative Temple Congregation on Chanmet in the office. And joining me on my left, but on, maybe on your right, Rabbi Jeremy Kalmanovsky, Anshay Chesed in New York City, Rabbi Barry Chesler in Huntington, Long Island. Mazel tov, Barry Chesler is celebrating a special birthday this week. Way to go. Thank you. Mazel tov, mazel tov. I can't wait. And we want to welcome all of our viewers and listeners. We're so happy to have you. You can write... Questions to us. We're so happy to receive them. Parshatalk at gmail.com. That's Parshatalk, P-A-R-S-H-A-A, talk at gmail.com. Well, we have a great Parsha this week. Lech Lecha, I like to say Lech Lecha is, is really where the story begins. It's the story of the Jewish people, the story of Abraham. Uh, before this, we, we, we were talking about the world, the universe, We're talking about humanity, but now, now this is Mishpacha. This is our family. And we get to meet this extraordinary character, Avram. God says to Avram, Lech Lecha, go forth. So my first question to my esteemed colleagues, friends, who is this guy? What is this guy? Where is he from? What's the backstory? What is the the Biblical backstory, what may be the Midrashic backstory, what can you can you help us understand? Because a reader who, who parachutes into the story is asking these questions and saying, why, where, who, what? So I'm eliciting your your response, Barry. Go ahead. Well, some people like to see Abraham as a rebel, um, a defiant one, as it were. But I think one of the key ingredients for me is that Abraham obeys. He listens. And um, as we were talking before, one of my favorite comments, which I think I say every week, there's one for each Parsha, has to do with the very first words, lach lacha, that you should go. In biblical Hebrew, the lacha is there for emphasis. You shall surely go might be a way to translate it. But the Hasidic interpretation is that you should go into yourself, that all journeys, as we were talking before, are journeys of self-discovery, but it's also a way to discover the world within yourself. So I'd just like to share a comment um, of Rav Chain, who says that you go into yourself, a person is not required to do more than he or she has the power to do, that you are required to do all that you actually are capable of doing. It's not 
And then he makes an allusion to a famous story in Hasidic literature that Zusha is not required to be the Baal Shem Tov, but he is required to be Zusha. And the story is told of Zusha on his deathbed, is crying, his students come to comfort him and wonder why he's so upset. And he says that when he meets his maker, he is not afraid that God will say, Zusha, why were you not Moshe Rabbeinu? Why were you not Moses, our teacher? Because after all, Zusha was a poor rabbi and Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest of the great. But he is concerned that God will say to him, why were you not more like Zusha? Why were you not more like the one you could be? And Zusha said he was crying because he had not yet figured out an answer to that question. And that's one way, I think, to see Avraham, that Avraham is a man, as you said, who has an inner life that's not always spoken about in the Torah. And it's worth considering for a moment, at least, what it must have taken, first of all, to hear the voice of God, which I think sometimes we don't pay enough attention to, um, but also to act upon it, because Abraham begins hundreds, thousands of miles to the east, and he's going to be walking to Canaan. Jeremy, what do you what do you make of it? What do you what do you think of him before we get into this? You know, we were talking on, on the on the call. I'm closer the, to the mic. We need you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, talking on the on the on the call before the uh, before the show began uh, about obedience, as Barry just talked about, and his rebelliousness, as as uh, Elliot. Maybe you you'll say a little bit more. I think that the that the character of Abraham is uh, does have a little bit of this. You know, if certainly the most famous Midrash that there is, um, which still plenty of people who know who are very well Jewishly educated still are surprised that it's only a Midrash and it's not, it's not in the Torah is the story of Abraham breaking the idols, right? Abraham's, this is in Breshid Rabbah and uh, Abraham's father has an idol store and Abraham, you know, some people come in and they want to sacrifice to the idols. They want to buy the idols and Abraham points out how stupid idolatry is and he smashes all the idols he's the ultimate iconoclast and in what is for sure the slyest and and most sophisticated line in rabbinic literature is that he smashes all of the idols but leaves the stick in the hand of the biggest idol of them all now if that's not a subtle comment on the way that our own monotheism can be a little bit idolatrous. I, I don't know what it is. Sometimes it's, it's, it's that we've broken, we've broken the idols, but we've just created Hashem as the biggest idol of them all. When the, when the Rambam teaches us that even, even Hashem, you have to all speak about what God is not instead of positing what God is. But in that story, and as the Midrash goes on to say uh, that his rebellion against the uh, people in in his his hometown, especially the ruler Nimrod, um, that that Abraham is a he, he is an iconoclast. He is a rebel, and it's the power of his rebellion that gives him the strength to go found a new people. That Abraham is called to leave something behind, and you've got to have a little rebelliousness in you to be able to say where I am is not okay. The society that I live in is not okay. I have to turn and found something new. Now we, we talked before, and I'm sure we'll talk more about 
the degree to which that's solitary or it's communal. Uh, but I, I think that one of the, the things that, that gets me about the character here of Abraham is the willingness to do something that is really quite for his, for his uh, upbringing and his society, uh, a real rupture. And, and to be a spiritual leader, you got to have it in you to have rupture and not only to be a, a, a small c conservative Jew. It's not only about protecting the past. It is about pointing towards the future. So, so let me let me pick up on a couple of things and just take some gentle issue with the story because because well you see the fun the, the the line or the you know the 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 critique there you know with Abraham holding the or sorry the the biggest idol holding it. I think that the, there is a funny line in the story which is when Abraham turns away all the customers. Everyone says to him or the brothers say to him. You're not made for business. We should put you into the priesthood, right? We should make you a religious figure, which I thought is, is brilliant. It's, it's such a brilliant thing. You know, you, you don't have a head for business. Don't you know you can't alienate the customers when they come in looking for an idol that looks like them? An old lady comes in and looks for an old lady idol. A strong person comes in and looks for a strong idol. You, you know, and, and Abraham, you know, shoes them away or alienates them. Or, and and, and they, they, they tell him, you're gonna you're gonna kill the whole business. Go into the religion instead. And so Abraham is, of course, the iconoclast. But but let's take the text. The text tells us some information about Abraham. He is the son of Terach. He has two brothers, Nahor and Haran. His fa his old. He is the oldest of the two of the three. Haran dies, leaving a son Lot. So already in that. In, and that's in the last at the end of last week's parsha, we're getting a whole novel's worth of of information in, in just you know very very coded form here. There's a sense of family. There's a sense of dynasty, and there's a sense of rupture rupture that happened not because of Abraham but because of of life's vicissitudes. We we don't know how Haran died. But it's, 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 it's unusual that the Bible reports this, and it's unusual that we don't focus on the, the, the destiny that has changed from that loss. And, and here, you know, we can all speak from, from both personal and, and rabbinic experience to, to say that, that when you experience a loss, it changes the course of your life. And I think that, that what happens for Avram is that because Haran has a son and because Avram is the oldest, Avram feels a tremendous sense of responsibility for Lot. So here I'm going to put my thesis out, which is that when God says Lech Lecha, he's really directing himself to Abram individually. And Abram says, no, I, I, I can't go by myself. I have... A wife, yes, she has not produced any children yet, but I have fidelity to her. I have my responsibility to her. I have to take care of her, and she has to take care of me, and we're a unit, and we're a family. And I have my brother's son, who I, if I leave here without him, he will be an orphan. He won't have anything. So, God, while you want me to go, this, I'm going to go on these conditions. I'm going to go with my family. 
as as um, hampered as my family is right now. My family is, I have no children of my own. I have, I have a, it's like a stepson or an adopted child. I'm a surrogate father for this child and I'm gonna take them all. That's my family. And not only that, but you're asking me, you're asking me to detach from my beautiful landscape in Orkazdim. Look at my mountains, my rivers, all of my... You're, you're asking me to detach from my culture, and you're asking me to detach from my family. Well, I'll detach from all of that, but I'm going to take what I have with me. And I think that that is tension with, with what God wants. God wanted him to be the, the solo, and Abraham says, I, I'm going to go... On my terms, and I, 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 I don't. The, the there's a, there's a couple of reasons why I can't, I can't go with you on this one. First of all, um, first of all, uh, one is my own reason, which is I find it unappealing to think that God's demands. You know, Jesus says that that people should hate their parents and reject their parents and leave them behind and follow me. Um, I think exactly Dylan which of the Christian that books that's in. Say that again, Barry? I think Dylan said that also. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I find that very and and you know, by the way, that's that was true in you know various points in Jewish history in, in like the early Hasidic movement, it caused family ruptures. But I find that unappealing to think that that the divine plan is to asunder human relationships and not to enhance them. But fine, we get we do have a text and we do have the text that does say lech lecha and it does say vayelech ito lot, which sounds like lot was pursuing, lot's running yes. after. Yes. But I, here's, the, here's, the, here's to me what is really the important counterclaim. Um, it takes vanefesh asher asubicharan. Yes. The property that they, the, the simple meaning of the phrase is that, that Abraham took the material wealth they had accumulated in, in Haran. But the Midrashic reading is, Abraham megayerat azacharim, v'sara megayerat atanikevot, that Abraham was bringing the males along to his, to his path, and Sarah was bringing the females along to They were partners. And this, this to me is a very appealing image that that Sarah and Abraham were even before they reached Canaan were were a team, and uh, and so I at least at least the midrash that I just quoted, which I think Rashi also quotes, is is uh, appealing to them as a team, and and I would I would like that to be the case. So, so I would say I agree with you, and that. And that reflects a paradigm, a model of religious leadership. I would say a model of even rabbinic literature. We see that most, you know, definitively in, in Chabad, where it's it's you, you don't you don't get a you get a mummy and a daddy, okay? With a, there there is some of that going on here, but there's also an other paradigm of of religious leadership, which is the Moses leader, which is. Moses, you know, is not, a, I mean, as much as it pains us to say this, is not much of a family man. His, fa his, his mission is the people. That's the family for him. The family, of course, is important to him, of course. 
They're in the background. It's not the Abraham is saying, look, I need if if I'm going to lead this people, if I'm going to be the 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 father of a nation, uh, I need I need my wife, I need whoever I've made with me, I need I need I need my my resources. So, Otherwise, it's not going to work. Think, uh, what we're sort of circling around is there's a great tension between the leader and the community, whether that community is a family or what we might call Amcha, the non-related people in one's midst. And, you know, it's striking at the end of the story, the Torah is going to say that Avraham was blessed with everything and that he's going to die happily in bed at the age of 175. But up until the very end, I don't know that we would think of Avraham as a happy family man. Right, the stories that we read about in the Torah are mostly stories of dysfunction, um, passing his wife off as his sister to save himself twice because it worked so well the first time, and killing one, threatening to kill one son and exiling another. So that you know, we have to think of Abraham as unfolding in time. And here's a piece, but he, I want to come back to something you had mentioned actually before we started the show, Elliot, and that is what does it mean for Abraham to be a blessing, right? The end of the line, Lach Lacha, is that he should, he should be a blessing. He can't be a blessing just for himself. All the nations or all the families are going to be blessed in him because he's the model. He needs other people. He can't do it himself. So, I think that's also recognized by God. I think that that's the key, I, I, at least one of the keys to, to really trying to unravel this or unlock this, which is, you know, to really ask, what does it mean to be a blessing? You know, you know Jeremy and I taught this, this text for, for years at, at Ramah and saying, you know, this is the mission. This is the mission. And I've taught this in, in my shul many times. I put it on a T-shirt, too. You saw that before. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. This is... This is what it's all about. You are to be a blessing to the world. And, and, and so let's go just take it back one step, which is what does God want with Avraham? You know, God has created the world. It's been a failure. God tries with Noah. It's a failure. What does God want with Avraham? What does so, it mean that he's going to be a blessing? So uh, I, I will respond to that, but I want to just go back for one second to the, to the paradigm of Moshe and Abraham. As, as different kinds of leaders in different kinds of modes. And I would say that, uh, that encoded in that example that you brought are, and the, the, this, this, these two visions for Jewish leadership, and in fact, the meaning of Jewishness uh, endure to this very day, which is Jewishness is about being part of Am Yisrael, or Jewishness is being a recipient of the Torah, okay? Uh, Jewishness is an ethnicity, a people with its history, or Jewishness is the Jewish religion as encoded in the book. And I think that that Abraham, uh, the the person who's the the first Jew, the first person who gets this particular Brit, which is encoded in the, the ritual act of circumcision, which was for so many centuries, the covenantal marker for, for males, which is about the Jewish body, then Abraham 
has to have the covenant with people. Moshe, uh, who is a, maybe Moshe is like the Vilna Gaon, who studies all the time. And that, that it could be a more solid, even though we like to say, Torah is only acquired with other people in community. I, I could see the intellectual pursuit or the being a, being a, a master scholar as a more private kind of enterprise, but the Am needs a people. And so if Abraham, whose, whose covenantal marker is on his body, in fact, on his sexual organ about reproduction, for the, I, as far as I know, you still, need, you still need two people for that. So uh, I, think, I think that it, it again appeals to me much more to think of uh, Abraham as being the counter to Moshe's leadership. Um, okay, that's what I want to say. Well, so so I mean, it's so interesting because later on in the in in, in this part show, when God says, you know, you're going to be a, a father and you're going to have a child, and and he laughs at this uh, idea because he believes that he doesn't have the ability to to, to produce a child. Little uh, does he know. How does he know? Well. So th this this takes us into into. Oh, it. All right. So what does God mean? What does God want for a bracha? Okay. So this attention with the bracha because at the very beginning he's told that he will father a great people, but in his daily life it's not working out like that. Not but at you all. ask what God, you ask what God wants from Abraham, and I'm struck that God as if I read this correctly, Abraham is the first person that God appears to in two different places that he appears to him in or Kastim or in Haran and tells him to go. And then Moses, uh, Abraham goes, he comes to Shechem and he appears to him again. And there's an element of portability, right? Again, attention within Judaism, whether how much we're tied to the land and how much we're tied to the path where God takes us. So Abraham is a pioneer. He's the first chalutz. He is a pioneer. I, I would say about the bracha, if, if, I, can, if I can say about the bracha, the, the answer to me is, in this, is, is really emerging most clearly from the second parsha of Abraham, for next week's parsha, forgive me for jumping a little bit ahead, uh, that this world has needed... Uh, people who will exemplify a certain kind of virtuous, sacred, wise, ethical, spiritual, holy living didn't happen with Adam, didn't happen with those first generations, didn't, didn't you know, Hanoch was the best of them, and Hanoch got taken out of the world because he, he couldn't live in this world, didn't really work with Noah, we've had, we've had the multiple other generations, Abraham midrashically is, is portrayed as a guy who was with the people in, in the Tower of Babel who said, I'm sorry, this is not for me. I, I don't want to participate in this with you. But next week, when God says to, to Abraham, listen, Stone is a terrible place. I'm going to destroy Stone. God says before doing that and before Abraham uh, uh, pushes back or inquires to what actually is going on there, God says, uh, I know this guy. Um, I've singled him out, so that he will create a family and a household, and he will teach them. 
uh, they will keep the divine way and they will do righteousness and justice. So it seems to me that the bracha and the source of the brit between God and Abraham is intimately related to God being able to recognize in this character somebody, and maybe that's the rebelliousness that he exhibited back back in Haran or, or wherever that story happens to have taken place, um, the, the willingness to be against the, against the current, because it takes a lot to shamru derech Adonai lasot mishpat. It takes a lot to be a person of such moral fiber and character and, and bravery and virtue to keep the way, keep the divine way and do righteousness and justice. So that's, that's what we're saying be a blessing means. Be a blessing means to live a certain way, to live an exemplary life, to be a model, to be a moral exemplar to the world. And through you, through your example, all the world will be blessed. And so it's, it's, there is a sense of contagion with blessing, that, that, that the way that you live, uh, the way that you uh, comport yourself will affect people around. And that's really what God wants. God wants to have an exemplar in the world and that the people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, should be a moral exemplar to the world. Of course, we know that that is not always easy and it's very complicated. But at least we, are, we through Torah, through the whole tradition and through Judaism, have tried to organize ourselves to, be, to live up to that mission. And, and to a certain extent, I would say that through all the things that the Jewish people have accomplished in the world, uh, we, we have, in large part, succeeded at being a blessing to the world. I would say also that, that and, I, and I've quoted this many, many times over the last year since, of course, this past week, we observed two years since the Pittsburgh uh, massacre, you know, with anti-Semitism, you know, the, the, the whole idea that um, I will or that societies which are able to preserve the blessing of Abraham are societies that are blessed. Societies that uh, curse Abraham are societies that himself are cursed. That anti-Semitism itself reflects a, a decay in society. And of course, I extrapolated from, from this original blessing the, 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 the ultimate outcomes. All societies in which Jews have been defamed and despised really have not succeeded. But this society in which, you know, Jews are free and Jews have been so exceptional, it's still a blessed society. No matter how much difficulty we have, no matter, no matter, no matter all the complications. But it's all in, encapsulated in that first statement to Avram. Okay. I, so I think go. about this, this on, on the one, in the one uh, liturgical element that, that this pasuk of Hayebracha um, uh, produces in our, in our ritual behavior, the, the Maran tractate Brachot goes like this. It says, you know, I'll paraphrase, the Hayebracha, um, that you will be uh, the signature, you'll be the Chatima of the first blessing of the Amidah. It's not to say that Elohei Abraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov, that is also true, as it says from, from Shemot chapter 3, from the burning bush, Elohei Abraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov, that's the body of the bracha. And I myself am a, I'm an imahot davener. I, I add the names of the imahot. But, and because the sidur says, you know, 
Magen Avraham Ufoked Sarah, when in public, I also I also say the Vuked Sarah, but in my own private Amidah, I just say Magen Avraham, because Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, they are our ancestors, they are the substance of the bracha, but that the Hatima is is a reflection of the just total incomparable uniqueness of this character who was the founder of uh, of the people and made this journey from his you know Beit, Beit Av and and Moledet and Eretz to the new and unknown the bravery to go to the unknown place it's beautiful can we we're, we're, we're running out of time can we reflect on one aspect which is nisyonot asara nisyonot that 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 God does put him, according to the Mishnah, God puts him through 10 trials, 10 challenges, and that, that the migration, and I think, Barry, you mentioned this at the beginning, that migration really reflects a certain kind of trial for him, and, and that, you know, there are other things that we discover about Abraham in, in, in Lech Lecha, that he is uh, he, he, he's, he's wealthy, he's established, he, he's able to, to um, argue for himself, he's able to defend others, he uh, there, there are a lot of challenges that he faces here. Um, in what way does does the the notion that God is challenging him appeal to 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 you to to the reader to or or needs to be imprinted on the Jewish the Jewish conception of, of life? Well, all of that and more. It's an essential part, I think, of being a Jew, a human being that, um, you know, I was thinking at the very beginning that in this Parsha, God is kind of like demonstrating Borear. He's sifting, right? He starts with Adam. It's everyone. We winnow down to Noah. Now we have Abraham. But then once we have Abraham, Abraham has to be tested because he has to be refined. He is not who he is intended to be. And in fact, I would suggest that all of life is a kind of refining process for us, that we start off a certain way, and hopefully as we live and learn, we become someone more like ourselves, more like Zeusia only for ourselves, but also a better person, and that Avraham then becomes a model for all of us. So, so in a way, there, there is a, a bit of an arc in this Parsha too, because it starts out with, uh, with the raw material. At the end of the Parsha, I mean, we, we have a covenant with him, and, and you may be tempted to to say, well, you know, the the covenant of circumcision is an act. I mean, it's certainly interpreted this way as an act of of refinement or an act of certainly for a ninety nine year old man, it would be a, a bit of a, a challenge to to go through. You ever think That's about? You ever think about before? I mean, I just whenever there's a baby and I and and I watch the mohel with the gloves and the disinfectant and and all of the ways in which we see to it that that Mila is safe, I just, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine how many of our great, great, great ancestors were wounded or died or infected or whatever through Brit Mila. And they yet- They never were, it was a miracle. It was a miracle, okay. Look, we, we all descend from that. And, and look, perhaps, you know, without without being too, too jocular about it, it's, it's the one defining ritual that that 
preserves the the strongest link to our biblical past. Uh, I'm overwhelmed by that. Every time I officiate at a bris, I'm overwhelmed at the fact that that there is this direct line of continuity for what three, four thousand years. That that this act connects me to everything. This it's it's a remarkable moment. I think that beat me in, in the. It's it's just one of the remarkable moments in in Jewish life. Benedict Spinoza, uh, the archetypal Jewish heretic from from Amsterdam in the 17th century, he did not like anything about Judaism. He thought everything in this this religion was not so good. He really admired circumcision because of the of the the deep, truly indelible mark uh, keeping a people together. He said he said. I don't think that the people of Israel are ever going to be restored. I think that they're just going to disappear into history. But if they are ever restored, it's going to be because of the enduring, indelible mark of circumcision. Well, that's certainly a good place to to end because the parsha ends with that. Himol, himol, that that you know, circumcision will be a mark for for forever, and that this is reflective of, of course, the covenant. The covenant is really the 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 story here that God wants a covenant with. Avraham, God wants a covenant with his people, and the covenant, a covenantal relationship, is not a contractual relationship. A covenantal relationship is there's something mutual about it, and we're going to explore more of this relationship in the future. But that's where we're going to have to leave it off for our listeners, our viewers. Again, we're so happy to have you with us. We love sharing Torah with you. We love our conversations with you, and we look forward to to a future conversation about this extraordinary character. So I want to say good Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom. Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. We'll see you next week, another edition of